I'm Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, as my partner in crime, Jeff Braun, will tell you, life will find a way. Jurassic World suffers from a lack of gold bloom, but it is still a lot of fun. I'll have a full review. I'll also tell you about some of the summer TV shows I've been watching, but first, it's the news from The Couch. Nothing good is safe while snow's alive. speech about it. Snow has to pay for what he's done. The first trailer has arrived for The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2, the fourth and final movie in the insanely successful film series which is based on an insanely successful book series. If you don't know anything about The Hunger Games, post-apocalyptic future, the land is now divided into districts each year. Every district has to put up a female and male volunteer teenager to compete in the Hunger Games where they all fight to the death and last one standing wins. But the people rebelled and are led by Katniss Everdeen, played by Jennifer Lawrence. I was scared to watch this trailer because I haven't seen Mockingjay Part 1 yet, but I'm pleased to report that if you haven't seen it either, this trailer doesn't really spoil anything. Mockingjay Part 2 opens November 20th. Oh my dear Miss Everdeen. Make no mistake. The game doesn't bite our Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 76th Hunger Games. Every human being has a basic instinct to help each other out. If a hiker gets lost in the mountains, people coordinate a search. If an earthquake levels the city, people all over the world send emergency supplies. This instinct is found in every culture, without exception. And he doesn't know it yet, but Matt Damon is going to hope all that applies to him. The first trailer for Ridley Scott's The Martian came out this week. At around 4.30 a.m., our satellites detected a storm approaching the Ares 3 mission site on Mars. The Martian is based on the best-selling book by Andy Weir. Matt Damon plays astronaut Mark Watney, part of a crew that goes on the long journey to Mars to do NASA stuff on the Red Planet. Had escalated to severe, and we had no choice but to abort the mission. But during the evacuation, astronaut Mark Watney was killed. So the NASA team flees Mars in the storm, leaving Watney's dead body behind. The only problem is he's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> Entering this log for the record. This is Mark Watney. And I'm still alive. Obviously. 
Ever have your friends leave a restaurant while you were in the bathroom? Remember what a pain that was? This is much worse. I have no way to contact NASA or my crewmates, but even if I could, it would take four years for another manned mission to reach me. And I'm in a hab designed to last 31 days. So, in the face of overwhelming odds, I'm left with only one option. I'm gonna have to science the out of this. And he sets off to MacGyver his little space camp into something sustainable. Okay, let's do the math. I gotta figure out how to grow four years worth of food here on a planet where nothing grows. But if I can't figure out a way to make contact with NASA, none of this matters anyway. Houston, be advised. We've got a video message. It's directed to the whole crew. Play it. Mein Gott. <laughs> Mark Watley's still alive. Woo! In your face, Neil Armstrong. Then it looks like it's a thing where, while D Damon's trying to stay alive, his crew has to decide whether they should turn around to come get him, while NASA and the government want to keep up the lie that he's dead so as not to be embarrassed about leaving a man behind. It all looks very good with an impressive cast, including Kate Mara, Jessica Chastain, Jeff Daniels, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Donald Glover, Kristen Wiig, and Sean Bean. The Martian opens October 15th. It's space. It doesn't cooperate. I guarantee you that at some point, everything's going to go south on you. And you're going to say, this is it. This is how I end. Is it possible that he's still alive? Good and evil. Sometimes the difference between the two is a sharp line. Sometimes it's a blur. Sometimes we have to do things outside of the law. Some exciting news this week about the second season of the Netflix crime drama Daredevil, which is about the Marvel Comics superhero who is blind, but he kicks tons of butt. Season two will include another popular vigilante, The Punisher. This is not revenge. The Punisher is a guy whose family was killed in cold blood, so he's taken it upon himself to kill all the bad guys. And he's going to be played by Shane from The Walking Dead. Enough! Rick, it ain't like it was before! Yes, John Bernthal will play the Punisher, which is great because the Punisher is a super intense character and Bernthal is a super intense actor. Hey, Herschel, man, let me ask you something. Did a living, breathing person, did they walk away from this? Stop three rounds in the chest. Could someone who's alive, could they just take that? Why is it still coming? That's a tart. It's long. Why is it still coming? Hey, you right, man. That is enough. He was shooting zombies. The Punisher is a character who has always been popular and somewhat controversial for his violent tactics, so I'm looking forward to seeing how Daredevil and the Punisher play off of each other because Daredevil wants to see people behind bars. Punisher wants to see them in the ground. Punisher has been adapted into film three times, one starring Dolph Lundgren, one starring Thomas Jane, and the third with Ray Stevenson. Thomas Jane was the best of the three by far, but I'm looking forward to seeing Bernthal take a shot at it. Daredevil Season 2 debuts next year. That guy in the mask, he saved my life. 
more news from the couch next. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry and Jeff Braun, we are the Couch Potatoes. Very quickly here, uh, if you don't know John Bernthal from The Walking Dead, he has been in a couple of films, actually. Jeff Braun, you know him as... He who? was Brad on uh, The Wolf of Wall Street, the meathead type guy. Was he was actually al- pretty entertaining. He was also in Fury. You saw that, didn't you? Uh, no. Is that oh. the Brad Pitt tank movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was part of Brad Pitt's tank crew. So well, I wonder if he made it to the end of that one. We'll have to watch it and find out. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now let's move on with more news from the couch. You were a detective? I worked as a consultant at Scotland Yard. I wasn't paid for my services, and therefore I answered no one but myself. I've decided to resume my work as a consultant here in New York. Consider every wretched hive of depravity and murder in this city my place of business. Unless, of course, you don't think you have a stomach for the work I do. I'm good. Exciting casting news about one of our favorite shows, the CBS Sherlock Holmes drama Elementary. Holmes' father has long been referred to in the first three seasons, but has never appeared. He will be in season four, and he'll be played by John Noble, a.k.a. Walter Bishop from Fringe. We just removed you from Amber. You're inside 20 years. 20 years? No wonder I'm so hungry. Sherlock's dad first bought or brought Joan Watson into the mix as Sherlock's sober companion as he got over a heroin addiction. Now she's his partner. Sherlock hates his dad, but something happened at the end of season three, and now daddy's coming to New York. I'm excited about this because Noble is an extraordinary actor. If you don't know him from Fringe, perhaps Sleepy Hollow? War isn't coming to Sleepy Hollow. It's been here waiting all along. And if not that, maybe in Lord of the Rings as Lord Denethor. Rule of Gondor is mine and no others. Mr. Holmes will appear in the season four premiere, and I hope they find a way to make him a series regular because more John Noble on TV means TV is a better place. I'm happy he'll be on Elementary, but I sure do miss him on Fringe. Uh, hello, Peter. Uh, this is me, your father, Walter Bishop. Thank you, Walter. I know who you are. You've been selected for a mission which you are not to discuss with anyone outside of this room. We are engaged in a war with the Soviet Union. This war does not for the moment involve men at arms. It involves information. The first trailer for the Steven Spielberg Cold War thriller Bridge of Spies is out. Something important has come up. We've got a Soviet spy. But there's a wrinkle. They got our spy pilot. Or the head full of classified information. Inspired by true events, Tom Hanks plays a lawyer not at all affiliated with the government or the military who for some reason is chosen to broker a trade between the U.S. and the Soviets. Russians want their man back before he cracks. We want you to negotiate the swap. I'm an insurance lawyer. I'm not sure I want to pick that up. Are you good at what you do? This will be a first for the both of us. You should be careful. On the surface, the movie may not look too flashy, but the Coen brothers co-wrote it. So with them, Spielberg and Hanks, it's a pretty good recipe for an awesome movie. We'll find out when Bridge of Spies hits theaters October 16th. We're in a battle for civilization. 
Constitution. It's what makes us Americans. Shouldn't we show our enemies who we are? Things have started to fall apart. Is this your position or your government's? Is there any outcome here where I'm not either detained or shot? The next mistake our countries make could be the last one. Legends will come together. It's time to put this bad dog to sleep. Our gosh! Freddy versus Jason. Winner kills all. Rated R. Horror fans, if you want to book yourself a cool vacation, here it is. Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees, the iconic killers from the Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th movies, will be front and center this year at Universal Orlando's Halloween Horror Nights 25. The Freddy vs. Jason house will take you through Elm Street, Camp Crystal Lake, and then you will become their next target. Halloween Horror Nights run select nights between September 18th and November 1st. Freddy versus Jason. Place your fits. Oh my god, I love this song. Everybody sing it with me. Baby, I compare you to a kiss from a rose on the gray. I can't believe no one in this family wants to sing. Speaking of vacations, a trailer is out for the upcoming Vacation Movie. I was going to say the reboot, but although it is simply called Vacation, it is a sequel to the original movie, Vacation. Ed Helms becomes like the fifth person to play Rusty Griswold, son of Clark. But now he's all grown up and takes after dear old dad. He want, Rusty wants to take his family to Wally World. Wally World? Here we come. What the hell is that? That's a 2015 Tartan Prancer. It's the Honda of Albania. Let's hit the road. What kind of home would drive his family cross country? Christina Applegate plays Rusty's wife. Leslie Mann plays sister Audrey. And Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo are in it too. And it looks really terrible. You had a dream to take your family to Wally World. Never let that go. What kind of a family are you? We're the Griswolds, you piece of ass. We're naked and covered in human waste. Oh, come on, sweetheart. We don't know that it's human. Bad idea. Thor is in it, too. Chris Hemsworth. Oh, yeah? I don't know if you've seen the Red Band trailer, but there's uh, quite an amusing scene involving him and his man parts. He's going to be in the Ghostbusters, too. I'm more excited about that. That's right. He's going to be the... The, the recep- Annie Potts role. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They're just going, they're flipping everything around. So that's pretty cool. That is the news from the couch. Up next, we'll quickly tell you what's out on Blu-ray and DVD. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I am consciousness. I am alive. I am Jeppy. Brett McGarry and Jeff Braun, we are the Couch Potatoes, having a quick look at what's out on Blu-ray and DVD this week. That is Chappie, the movie about a robot that comes to life. It actually made twice what they put into it, so it wasn't technically a flop, but it didn't do nearly as good as I think they thought it might and had hoped so. Also out on Blu-ray this week, season three, the third and final season of The Newsroom, and one of my favorite movies. It's a weird one. It's called My Dinner with Andre, starring Andre Gregory and Wallace Shawn, and honest to God, it's an hour and a half of two guys sitting in a restaurant talking talking to each other. That sounds cool. Also for horror fans, a movie with Olivia Wilde called The Lazarus Effect. That's all that's out on Blu-ray and DVD. Up next, Jurassic World. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and Jurassic World has finally arrived in theaters, and it's bigger and meaner than ever. 
Every time we've unveiled a new attraction, attendance has spiked. That was awesome. Corporate felt genetic modification would up the wow factor. They're dinosaurs. Wow enough. Yes, a brand new dinosaur, this time around bigger, smarter, and a lot meaner than the old T-Rex. It's Indominus Rex. She was designed to be bigger than the T-Rex. What happened to the sibling? She ate it. And of course, a movie would be pretty dull unless that dinosaur got loose. We have an asset out of containment. What is that? Her tracking implant. She clawed it out. How would it know to do that? She remembered where they put it in. Oh, God. She's killing for sport. So clearly, they have their hands full. What does become clear very fast is that just shooting at this dinosaur is not going to help. You got 20,000 people. You got no more boats. You don't have enough guns. If we do this, we do this my way. We got eyes on target. Light it up! Something's wrong. They're communicating. We're talking about an animal here. A highly intelligent animal. Here's the basic premise of the fourth installment of the Dino series. 20 years after the events of the original Jurassic Park, we're on the same island and John Hammond's vision has finally come true. His full-fledged dinosaur park is up and running. It's called Jurassic World, and it's actually a whole resort thing. People come for a few days, they stay in a hotel, get to see all sorts of attractions. There's a SeaWorld kind of part to it where they get to watch a giant mosasaur jump out of the water and eat a shark. There's a baby dino petting zoo. You can canoe down a river and watch the the docile dinos, the herbivores grazing on the banks, and you can ride around in these little gyro balls in one part of the park and get up close to some of the dinosaurs. And yes, many of these things seem insanely dangerous, but they're not the problem. The problem is that Indominus Rex, when it gets out, and it gets out by outsmarting the people who have it captive, the people in the movie include Bryce, da or Bryce Dallas Howard. She's the manager of Jurassic World. Her nephews are there for the weekend, and she's supposed to look after them, but she's too consumed with work, so she pawns them off and her assistant. Chris Pratt is there too. He's a raptor trainer or something. Basically, he's like Indiana Jones, and uh, he's the only one with any real common sense, which always seems to be in short supply in movies like this. As you would guess, being a Hollywood movie, Howard and Pratt do not like each other at first, but it only takes a day's worth of almost dying together to make them warm up to each other. And I think it's fair to say that we warm up to each of them separately and together by the end as well. And I don't think you can say that about the other Jurassic Park movies, although, I mean, not all of them are really trying to do that anyways. B.D. Wong reprises his role from the first movie as the main scientist. Irfan Khan is the owner of the park. He's the eighth richest man in the world. He's actually really good in this. He gets some comic relief in as well as he fancies himself a helicopter pilot, even though he's just terrible at it. The other comic relief comes courtesy Jake Johnson. He's Nick on New Girl and Lorem Lapkus, a comedian you may recognize from Orange is the New Black. They pay, play a pair of employees who work in the command center of the park and seriously, everything they do is comedy gold. You know, Jake Johnson, you know, Nick on New Girl, just 
He could just like make just the expression on his face will make you laugh. Yeah, he's great. He's super, super funny in that show. And he is here in Jurassic World as well. And then though, there's Vincent D'Onofrio. He's the bad guy. He wants to train the dinosaurs to be soldiers. Yes, it's as dumb as it sounds, and yes, Chris Pratt tells him so. D'Onofrio's character is the weak link. He's just too much of a bad guy for the situation they're all in. I mean, all hell breaks loose. People, tourists, are dying left and right, and he's all, like, pumped and happy because he thinks this will help his plan or whatever. It's, it's just totally non-believable. He should be, you know, afraid for his life like everyone else is. That's my big beef with the movie. It's an also it's an unnecessary side plot that the movie just doesn't need and it's confusing. I don't understand the corporate structure of this company, InGen. Irfan Khan is clearly the boss, but the scientists won't answer his questions. He's like, well, you know, I can't tell you that. And he's like, well, why not? I thought he owned the company. Why couldn't you tell him that? And D'Onofrio won't do what he says. He's like some kind of military guy, but he does work for the company. Because why else would he be there? I mean, I don't know. I just didn't get it. But the good news is, doesn't really matter. Uh, the other unnecessary plot is Bryce Dallas Howard's family drama with her nephews and her sister. Uh, I mean, who cares? But these movies have always struggled with those kind of things. Mostly, I think they probably irritate me, and they seem maybe worse than they really are. Because all I want to see are the dinosaurs. And we do. We see them more here than in any of the other movies. And with the advancement in CGI over the years, they're much more active and very believable. Top marks for the special effects. I'd say just flawless. I literally believe the dinosaurs were right there with them the whole time. You know, on the first one, you could sort of... They, they look computery sometimes, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. And when they don't look computery, they look puppety. Yeah. That is not the case at all here. I did see it in 3D, which was fine, but I can always take or leave 3D. Um, the dinos, though, are extremely menacing, way more so this time around. I was impressed by the fact that there were a lot of little kids in the theater, and I didn't hear any crying. I mean, if I were their age, I would have been bawling my eyes out and had nightmares for weeks. But, hey, I guess little kids are tougher than I was at that age, Brett. I'm surprised you're not having nightmare <laughs> and bawling your eyes out right now. Well, it's only been one night. I might yet. <laughs> so the action is more intense, but you sort of feel like the actual tension is not there like it was in the first one. But that's the sort of magic that Steven Spielberg Spielberg brings to a movie and could, probably could have brought to this, too. Too bad they, they got him to executive produce it, but he wouldn't direct it. The movie does it does a good job of building and building as it goes along. I mean, the setup at the beginning is kind of clunky. Again, that's all the JP movies are like that, complete with annoying kid who knows everything about dinosaurs. Although this time I will say that the kid actually grew on me by the end, whereas in like the third movie he pretty much ruined it for me. But once that Indominus Rex breaks out, the movie just doesn't stop. The Dinosaur keeps wreaking havoc, killing everything in its sight. A lot of people die in this movie, and not just the bad guys, the jerks either. Eventually, the movie sort of feels like it's shifting from a Jurassic Park movie to a full-on disaster flick. There's mass panic and everything. It's effectively terrifying. It's uh, it's great fun overall, a little better than I had actually expected. Uh, a couple of things in the trailer that seemed kind of stupid or not nearly as stupid once you see the movie. Like I said, Chris Pratt gets to spout off some common sense when it looks like there will be none. And, you know, when a guy gets on your nerves and you wish a raptor would just eat him, it actually happens. Very satisfying. Four couch cushions <laughs> out of five. Because how can you not? That's the best part, isn't it? Yeah, when the the bad guys get to come up and spike the first one, the, that lawyer in the outhouse. Yes. If that's, all, that's one of my favorite movie scenes of all times because you're just like, Man, I wish a dinosaur would eat him, and then to just do it in the most humiliating way possible. For sure. Awesome. The only, the other, like I said off the top of the show, Jeff Goldblum would have made this better because Jeff Goldblum makes everything better, but uh, no, no Goldblum. 
So four couch cushions out of five for Jurassic World. You bet. Uh, speaking of Goldblum, have you seen those apartments, apartments.com commercials he's been doing? I have seen a couple of them. They are the best thing they ever. They are the best thing ever. Change your apartment. Change the world. <laughs> Just love them. The world needs more Goldblum. Uh, I think he's going to be in the Independence Day uh, sequels, so that's exciting. Yes. Up next, Jeff's got a preview of Orange is the New Black, and we're going to touch briefly on the passing of a Hollywood legend. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett, and one of my very favorite shows is back. Netflix has dumped season three of Orange is the New Black. <laughs> I just want to say, I can be a famous rapper, you know what I'm saying? Like, January, yeah, yeah. February, oh, March, uh, April, May, and June. The ladies of Litchfield are back and things seem to be going nicely for them. Well, as nice as can be inside a prison anyways. Welcome to Litchfield. Two point nothing. This place is amazing. The walls are so clean. And I haven't heard anybody screaming. <laughs> A whole new world around here. It's a beautiful day. I turned over a new leaf. Sounds kind of crazy. The Netflix prison drama comedy, whatever you want to call it, it was one of the best surprises of the past couple of years. I know a lot of people look forward to it each and every year, and it's finally back now. And if you like Laura Prepon's character, good news, she's also back. You know the uh, hot one's back. Betty Page of Litchfield. How am I back here? Aw, it's so nice to see you guys back together. Maybe this is exactly where I am supposed to be right now. Stop trying to mold the real world into the one inside your pointy blonde head. The world is better in black and white. And red. And if you binge through the whole thing this weekend, don't worry, it'll be back next year for a fourth season. But season three out right now on Netflix. This piece of writing is obscene. It's pornographic. No, it's not just sex. It's love. It's two people connecting with four other people and aliens. Shortly, I'll tell you about some of the summer TV that I've been watching. I know Jeff's going to be binging on Orange is the New Black this yeah. weekend. Uh, but we do want to pause for a moment here to talk to switch gears to talk about Christopher Lee, who has died. Standing at six foot five, Christopher Lee was once told he was too tall to become an actor. Eventually, this happened. I am Dracula. Dracula was the role that changed Lee's life, but he endeared himself to much younger generations as the evil wizard Saruman in the Lord of the Rings films. There will be no dawn for men. And equally evil Jedi gone bad Count Dooku in the last two Star Wars movies. As you see, my Jedi powers are far beyond yours. The remarkable Christopher Lee, dead at 93. David Blaustein, ABC News. You know, he actually wanted to play Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. Oh, really? Yeah. I did know that he was a huge, he, like, he's a Lord of the Rings super fan of the books. Yeah. So he he definitely, yeah, I can see why that he would want to play Gandalf. I'm glad he ended up playing Saruman, though, because he's, he's uh, got the, the, the proper voice. amount of menace. Yeah. yeah, the voice, too. I mean, the voice of Saruman, Christopher Lee's voice is just... It's transcendent. It's so cool. It's just so good. Uh, but yeah, he reads the books every year, and I think he would. He was actually kind of like a consultant on set. Yeah, he's he's an expert. If there was to be an expert, if they had a question, he he had an answer for it. I and I I'm ashamed to say this. I 
I don't know that I've ever seen any of his Dracula movies. No, well, that's what I was thinking too. It's like, because he did a lot of them. Like his IMDb page has over 250 movies on it. But uh, the, the just the, the nerd cred that he got in the last 15 years from Star Wars and The Lord of the Rings is is amazing. Like I, most, you know, almost no actors have a resurgence that late in their careers like that. He was almost 80 when the first Lord of the Rings came out. Yeah. And then when, it, when he surfaced again in the... One of these last Hobbit movies, I was like, "What are you kidding me?" I know. I, was like, I couldn't believe it. That, that was that's impressive. Like, cause yeah, he lo- he looked like he was twenty years younger than he actually was. Well, and the way they shot that actually, he wasn't even on set with them. Oh, really? They shot his stuff in in one location on blue screen or green screen, whatever. Yeah. And then they just morphed, morphed the him sh- in. because he. I think he was just too. Quite frankly, didn't. I don't know if he was too old and weak to travel. I think he just didn't want to. He said, ah, "You know what? I'm not going to do that. Yeah. But I'll do it here." All right. So too bad, uh, Christopher Lee. Just such a great, great actor. Going to miss him. Up next, we'll just quickly touch on some of the shows I've been watching and some of the shows you might want to give a shot. You are listening to the Couch Potatoes. Hannibal is one of the few shows to win a perfect score on Rotten Tomatoes. And it beat every other show to win Hulu's Best of the Best. Where is Hannibal? You're drawing them to you, aren't you? He's playing with us. Always. Isn't it time you discovered Hannibal? Premieres June 4th after Aquarius, here on NBC. Brett McGarry and Jeff Brown, we are the Couch Potatoes. Just want to quickly talk about some summer television and Hannibal. If you've ever listened to the Couch Potatoes, you know we are both huge fans of this show. Uh, applause to Jeff Braun for sticking with this show because it's super gory and it in, is. In, in sometimes awfully frightening. I do not watch it in the evening. <laughs> it is a Sunday morning show that I watch over <laughs> my morning coffee and toast. Okay. So I have the rest of the day to get it out of my head and... Not have nightmares. But one of the things that's so great about the show is just how beautifully shot it is. I had forgotten how lovely the show is just to watch, but I almost feel like they shot themselves in the foot. You listen to that promo where they say, isn't it time you tuned in? Well, I felt like if you were new and hadn't seen that show, that episode, the first episode of season three, was not the one to go with because (laughs) it was super confusing and very artsy. Uh, They're all very artsy, but that, yeah, that told you nothing about any sort of story going on. No. So I feel like either A, they figure this is going to be the last season and they're just going for broke, or B, they're treating it like a cable drama where it's a slow burn and you have to look at it as as one giant episode versus, you know, it's not episodic television. And there's not a lot of episodes. If you do want to give it a shot, do check out the first two seasons first. Absolutely. It really is one of the best shows on television. Mark our words. You will enjoy it. Don't have a whole lot of time here. I just want to quickly touch on Aquarius. Maybe we'll have to sort of funnel this into next week as well. Aquarius is the other show that's on Thursday nights on NBC about a serial killer. Charles Manson, David Duchovny plays Sam Hodiak. Gillian Anderson, by the way, is in Hannibal, so you've got that X-Files connection. Aquarius has been kind of a dud so far. I was really excited about this, but it's been, I wouldn't say boring, but certainly not as eventful as I have been expecting. Uh, I'll quickly mention that I've been watching Wayward Pines on Fox, which has five episodes in already out of its 10. It's just one of these mystery uh, event series 
that's been tons of fun. Although I almost dropped it after the first episode. Yeah, I remember you said you weren't impressed. I'm surprised you, but you stuck with it, and it's good. I stuck with it, and it's been much better. Great cast. I'll get into more. Uh, also, a show, uh, The Whispers, I like. And by the way, Game of Thrones season finale this weekend. You can go see it at Cineplex if you want. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Don't bother.